We are talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh today. The reason I'm talking about this is because many struggle, struggling with sickness or some condition in their body are often discouraged from believing God for healing. In my walk of faith in this area, I know that I've had several people offer me different excuses for why I'm not healed. This has been one of the predominant ones, and for, for many years, it would have been one that robbed me of faith and robbed me of understanding of Scripture and caused me to, to think or caused me to wonder, uh, where is God in all of this? You know, when we go through difficult times and circumstances in our life, we often look, and rightly so, we often look to God and we look to Scripture for answers. And when it comes to healing, we, we do the same thing. One other, of the other excuses or one of the other ideas that people bring up when they're going through a struggle, even in the area of sickness and diseases, people say, well, look at the life of Job. And they, they kind of excuse and say, well, we should be expectant of difficulties, troubles, and situations, and sickness. Just look at the life of Job. Look at what he went through. And I think of three things when I think of those things that people tell me that. First, I say... Job was not under the new covenant. That's something we need to remember. Job was not under the new covenant. Second of all, when I think about the whole story of Job, I think we should be very exciting and hopeful. We should be very excited and hopeful. Why? Because if we're going to call out Job, the beginning of Job, we need to look at the end of Job. And how did it end? Well, look at the last, these two verses, and this is all I'm going to preach about Job today, but let's just look at these two verses out of Job 42. So the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Amen? Or Job 42, 16 and 17. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and their sons to the fourth generation. So Job died being old and full of days. So I would encourage you this morning, when we want to bring out scriptural reasons for situations that are in our life and we want to use stories like this, let us not only use parts of the stories, let us re remember the whole story. But today I want to look at Paul's thorn because that one is, is very, is used often. When people look at sickness and disease, this is one of the things that they bring up. And it may be sincere, and it may be well-meaning, but I will tell you this morning, from my understanding of Scripture and what we're going to see today, it is wrong and it's unscriptural. God, as we've been talking about over the course of the several weeks now, God has made provision for the fullness of health in our physical, emotional, and mental bodies. Amen? God does not want you depressed this morning. Amen? 
God does not want you full of anxiety this morning. God does not want you to be worrying in the middle of the night and not being able to sleep because of what's going on in our world today. But also, God does not want you in a place of physical pain, sickness, or disease. And what is needed when we look at this passage of Scripture is we need to know the truth of what God's Word says. So I want to teach from it this morning. It's up on the overhead, I believe. Yes, there we go. And it says there, and lest I, speaking of Paul, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, lest I be exalted above measure. I asked the Lord three times that this thing might depart from me, but he said to me, what? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me, so I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in my reproaches, in hardships, in persecutions, and in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It, it is very clear here that Paul had a thorn. He lays it out. He says, I have a thorn in the flesh. He, it's very clear that it tormented him. It's very clear that he asked God to remove it, and God did not. And this is one of the things, like I say, that people often use as an excuse to not receive healing. People have come to me. And they have said, well, Chad, this thing that you're dealing with in your body, well, that's just the thorn in your flesh. And when you start thinking about it like that, how can you go before God in faith and ask him to remove it if God's saying no to Paul? How can I ask in faith and ask God to remove this from my body and to heal my body and have faith for it or even have hope for it if this is God's will for me? And so they've, they've taken the thorn and they've taken sickness and people have asked God to heal them and, and they think that God says no and so they, they give up and they don't walk in a place of faith. The first thing that we need to ask in this passage is, what was the thorn in the flesh? I've heard people say, I've heard preachers even say, we can't or we don't know. Some people say it's sickness. Some people think it was some eye disease that Paul suffered with. People often say, well, we can't know what the thorn in the flesh was. And yet Paul outlines it very clearly in the Scripture. The expression of the thorn in the flesh, this whole expression actually is found in the Old and New Testaments. And in each case, it never represents a physical sickness or disease if you were to go back and i don't have them up on the screen on the screen but if you were to go back and look into numbers chapter 33 verses 30, uh, 55 you will talk about how you will see how it talks about the inhabitants of canaan described as thorns in the eyes and thorns in the sides of the children of israel if you were to look in joshua 23 and verse 13 it talks about how the heathen nations of Canaan were spoke, spoken of again as thorns in the eyes. In each case, the Bible is very clear, 
And it, it plainly talks about the thorn, and each time the thorn is described, it's described as someone or a group of people. And this is what we see here when we come to this New Testament passage that Paul is writing. This description is the same. In verse 7, it says there, A thorn was given me in the flesh. What is that thorn? A messenger of Satan. That's the thorn. It's very clear. It's very, it's very right there. You can't get any plainer than that. Paul gives us an understanding the thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. It's not a physical disease. It's not an eye problem. It was a messenger of Satan. It's interesting as well. When we look at this word messenger, it is never translated as sickness or disease in any part of Scripture, but the original word messenger is actually the word angel. Angelos in Greek. If you're Greek here and I destroyed it, forgive me. This word, it comes up in the New Testament approximately 188 times, and 90% of the time it's translated as angel. It's the same word that was used in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's the same word. It's used even in the context of demons or angels of the devil, as in Matthew 25 and verse 41, when it says there, then he will say to those at his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Every time this word is mentioned, it is talking about a spiritual being or a spiritual person, an angel. So when Paul is describing the thorn in the flesh, he is unquestionably talking about an angel or a messenger from Satan who has come and given him difficulties and is tormenting him as he goes about in ministry. He is never talking about sickness. He is never talking about disease. He's talking about how this messenger of Satan has come along and is there tormenting him throughout ministry. And we'll see that this morning even clearer. Not only does Paul say what the mess or the, what this with this thorn is, Paul tells us what this messenger does. Verse 7 again, it says there that he came to torment me. In the King James, if you have it, it'll say it to buffet me. The word buffet means to assault or to strike with blow after blow. You know, sometimes Richard likes to buffet me. I've taught Richard how to box. So sometimes before we go to bed, I'll, I'll be sitting on the chair in our, in our room or in his room and He'll look at me, Daddy, box. And then he'll start swinging. And he deals blow after blow after blow after blow. Fortunately, I can handle it. <laughs> at least for now. But this buffeting is a word that means to assault or strike with blow after blow. Like when the waves pound a ship. 
Or like when they buffeted Christ by striking Jesus over and over with their fists. It's the same word that's used in Matthew 26 and 67 when it says there, they spat in his face and struck him or buffeted him and others slapped him with the palms of their hands. It's a blow after blow after blow that is a coming against Paul and that's, that is what this messenger is doing. He's coming against Paul with a blow after a blow after a blow. But it is never described as sickness. It is never described as sickness. Paul even gives us a description of the sort of buffeting he endured. In verse 10 it says, I take pleasure in weaknesses, in reproaches, in hardships, in persecutions, and in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Nowhere does Paul describe or list sickness or disease. Nowhere does Paul say, I got a problem with my eyes. It's even interesting that God told Paul that this was going to happen. When Paul was converted on that Damascus road, God gave Ananias a message to Paul. He says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15 and 16, God says, go your way for this man is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the sons of Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God was very clear, Paul's going to face hardships. And by the way, we know today that we are going to face hardships. I am not one who gets up and preaches and says, well, you get saved and the life will be a bed of roses. I understand that there's going to be difficulties. I understand there's going to be trials. I understand there's going to be persecutions. I understand there's going to be distresses. But I also understand God says, I've healed all your diseases. And I do not believe that for the Christian, the disease should be part of our lives. The suffering of Paul endured, if you look through Scripture, it's no secret. We, get listing, we can list many events. You can go into Acts and you can see it. Acts 9 not up there, but just let me read it out to you. Acts 9, the Jews arranged to kill Paul after his conversion. Acts 14, Paul was stoned and left for dead. Acts chapter 16, he was beaten and put in a jail. Paul doesn't hide the hardship he faced, but, but he never once describes it as sickness. And even if you look into this passage in, in, in chapter 12 of, of 2 Corinthians and you, you go back a chapter... And you know that when the Bible was written, there were no chapters or verses. It was just one long letter. And so chapter 12 and chapter 11 work together, and Paul, keeping in the context, describes even all the things that he faced as a servant of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and verse 27 says this, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times he was whipped. 
Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A day and a night I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sleep or in the sea, in perils among false brothers, in weariness and painfulness, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, and in cold and nakedness. What we see here in this passage of Scripture is Paul describes everything but sickness and disease. What we see are things that he could, you could describe as being buffeted, being dealt blow after blow of hardship, suffering through to preach the gospel. The thorn in Paul's flesh was this messenger of Satan who, who brought these hardships upon Paul as Paul went forward in carrying the gospel to the world. One of the things also we have to look at is the reason for Paul's thorn. Why did Paul face this trial? What was the reason for this thorn? And this is very important because if we think that sickness and disease is in our life, or is in our life a thorn in our flesh, there must be a reason. And again, Paul is very straightforward in his answers to these questions. And in verse 7, he says there, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Very simply, Paul had received an abundance of revelation, and this thorn in the flesh kept him from being exalted. It caused him to walk in a place of humility. A question that needs to be answered for those who would say that Paul's thorn was a sickness or an ailment and therefore we should consider that for our own lives is are those suffering today with sickness being in this place of sick because they're being humbled? If we take the idea that Paul's sickness is a thorn, then we must follow the same thinking and think today that many are sick today because of an abundance of revelation and needing humility. I can tell you, I have no difficulty saying it. I do not have the revelation of Paul. Amen? You can say amen. I don't come close to the revelation of Paul. If, I, if you were to look at it, if God had a hall of fame in heaven for the theologians of, of, his, of his world, Paul would be number one. Obviously, not including Christ. Paul would be number one. The greatest theologian, the greatest doctor of theology, the greatest one to ever walk through the face of the earth. And I think we understand and realize that it far exceeds anything that any other person has received. Therefore, even if Paul's thorn was sickness, even if it was sickness, how can we claim a thorn in our flesh unless we, like Paul, are being humbled like Paul? The interesting thing here is this. Paul was given a very definite reason for his suffering, which is the other thing that I look at here. If someone wants to claim their sickness is a thorn in the flesh, I would simply ask them, what is the reason? 
What has God said is the purpose for you being sick? Or if a preacher, because I've had them come and say it to me, before I was a little timid, today, not so much. If a preacher were to come and mention that to me and say, well, the sickness that you're dealing with in your body, Pastor Chad, well, it's your thorn, I'd say, well, tell me, why? What is the purpose? Because if we go along with Paul's experience, God gave him a definite purpose and reason for this thorn to be there. And if you come to me and say, Pastor Chad, and I have asked the Lord several times, I have, re- I have requested of him several times, what is, because I've, I've looked at a passage like Scripture of like this, or I've had it said to me, and I said, Lord, why? Silence. Most people who are struggling don't know why. And the reason they don't know why is because God can't answer anything other than saying, I am the Lord that heals you. There is no purpose in sickness and disease for our bodies. People say, well, can't you learn? Yes, you can learn something in every situation. That's, I mean, that's a whole other topic. The Bible says that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sin. Have you ever thought about that in regards to sin? God, why am I in this sin? What's the purpose of this sin in my life? Lord, give me an answer why I'm in this sin. Why can't I, why can't I break free of this sin? but we do it with sickness. I am so thankful that the Lord is our healer. I'm so thankful that he has made a way for us to be healed, to look to him in faith and have hope that what Jesus bought and paid for was that I do not have to expect or accept sickness in my body. I absolutely believe that you will see, you will see, I'm talking about you that are sitting here today, will see the moment that God touches this body. And I don't care about all the questions of why not now or how. I don't care about those things. I told you last week, I have settled those things in my heart. I don't worry about those things. I just look to him as my healer. And I look to him as my strength. I look to him as my source. I let him worry about the questions. Why have some thought that Paul's thorn in the flesh was sickness? We've seen Paul Diotel, he's being whipped, he's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been sleepless, he's been hungry and thirsty, he's been shipwrecked. When I think about that in ministry, I should not complain. Amen? He even talks about, at the end of that chapter, he even talks about the the care of the churches being a pressure upon his mind and his heart. The context of what weakness is found is found in that 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse. When he says, 
in verse 29, 30, who is weak, I am not weak. Who is led into sin, and I am not distressed. If I must boast, I will boast of the things which concern my weakness, which is the description of all the things that went on before, the shipwrecking, the hunger, the thirsting, the sleepless nights, the beatings. And so it makes contextual sense that when Paul's describing weakness in 2 Corinthians 12, he's describing again these physical hardships he's endured in ministry. So why the error at times? Really comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 9, where it says there, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you were to look into the King James, and it's, I don't have any difficulty with how it's translated in the King James, but it's described as infirmities. And because people look at it as infirmities, they automatically assume that Paul must be talking about sickness. But they forget that the word infirmity doesn't automatically relate to sickness. One example of that is found in scriptures in in Romans chapter 8 and 26 when it says there, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses or in our infirmities. And it's not talking about sickness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When Paul is talking about his weaknesses or when Paul is talking about his infirmities, he is expressing his lack of strength and ability. He's expressing his weakness and therefore he's expressing his need for God. Paul couldn't deal with these things on his own. How many could? Paul couldn't overcome the buffeting that he faced time and time again except for God's grace being sufficient for him to handle the trials and troubles the enemy threw at him during his ministry time. Let me just talk for a second before we get to the Lord's response to Paul and close it up. Let me just talk to this idea about Paul's eyes. That's the biggest one that people say Paul had an eye disease, which we never see mentioned. Some think that Paul suffered blindness on the road to Damascus and that his healing was incomplete. You know what the Bible says about that, right? Acts chapter 9, 17 and 18. Again, Ananias went his way and entered the house, putting his hands on him. He said, Paul, or Saul, the Lord Jesus who has appeared to you on the way has come to you, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again, and he rose up and was baptized. It is interesting to suggest that this is the only recorded healing in Scripture that was somehow unfinished. There's other passages where they say, well, Paul talks about writing these big letters from his own hand. It's talking about the size of the letter. Paul was a teacher. He had scribes who wrote for him. It was uncommon for him to do his own writing. Paul's eyes were just fine. All right, let's look at the Lord's response to Paul. Paul asked God three times, 2 Corinthians 12, 
8, I asked the Lord three times that this might depart from me. God says, my grace is sufficient. If we believe this about Paul, we must keep with Scripture and glory in our sickness. If we're convinced that illness we are suffering is our thorn in the flesh, then we must believe that God's grace is sufficient for us. If we believe that sickness is God's will, we really have a problem trying to pray the prayer of faith. If we think that God's trying to teach us something, we have a problem. And hear me this morning when I ask these questions. How can we go to a doctor? How can we take medications? How can we get surgery? How can we try to find a solution or get rid of a problem that is God's will for our life? If you or I suggest it is God's will for us to be sick, trying to find a solution in any way, trying to alleviate the problem in any way is sin. <laughs> Let me talk about COVID for a second. Lots of Christians are out there saying this is the judgment of God. This is not about a vaccine or not taking the vaccine, but a lot of Christians will then take the vaccine. Say, if the judgment of God, then let it be judgment. You get sick, you get sick. How can you try to bypass the judgment of God by injecting a remedy into your body so that you don't have to deal with the sickness? You see, I've gone all my life looking at different ways of bringing remedies to my body. And you know why that is? Is because I want to be well. It's God, God has built into us the desire to be well. Okay? That's why we go to doctors. That's why we take medications. That's why we go to surgery and get surgeries. That's, that's why we do all of those things because there is a desire in our bodies. There's a desire in our lives to be whole. But if we say that it is God's will for us to be sick, then we have a real problem. It is interesting to me, and I'm not meaning to sound harsh, I'm just, because this is how I've had to deal with it in my own life. It is interesting to me how many times we'll say these things, but we do not realize the implications of what we're saying. If God's trying to teach me something through this, then Lord, teach away, but I won't, find any, I won't try to find any solution to, to alleviate of it until you've taught me what you want to teach me. The response from the Lord is given. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I said it before, we will face difficulties. We will face demonic attacks. We will face trials. But here's the encouragement in that. Paul understood that he didn't have the strength to stand up against this satanic messenger he understood that he was weak and unable to confront this constant bombardment on his own. Paul looked for this hardship to be removed, but God responded, and Paul saw through God's response that God's grace was the strength he needed to bear all things. Paul was no longer weak, 
but strength was made perfect in Paul's life because God's grace imparted the strength that Paul needed. We cannot be strong unless we are submitted to God's power in our own lives. Paul's strength did not come from himself. For He says there in verse 10, For when I am weak, I am strong. We are strongest when we depend upon God entirely. When we recognize our inability and submit and depend upon his strength and might. God has not promised us that we will not face trouble or temptations or persecutions. He's never vowed to take away the external buffetings and afflictions that we may face as Christians. Jesus even said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But God promises us the grace to bear these things. So that you and I, like Paul, can say, I take pleasure in my weaknesses and reproaches, in hardships or persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'll tell you something this morning about this. Much of the church is not standing in that today in this time of COVID. Much of the church is looking to their own strength to stand up against what's happening in our world. And yes, I understand we have to take a stand. I understand that there's certain things that we have to do. But we need to understand today that Jesus Christ is our strength for everything. In closing, it's interesting when we talk about healing Many instead point to this one instance of Scripture rather than to the multitude of Scripture that teach God's healing power. And even those who suggest Paul's thorn was sickness can only reference this as a possibility. Yet so many passages speaking of God's power and and strength and willingness to heal are robbed because of this one place. Just think of some of the things that we've talked about in Scripture. God's redemptive and covenant names, Jehovah Rapha. Do you know that that name is to you, for you? Or that Jesus bore our sin and our sickness? Think of all the examples of healing with the children of Israel. Think of the examples and promises of healing in the Old Testament types. Think of the life of Jesus Christ who through his words, his actions, and his ministry revealed the will of God who never turned anyone down but healed all who came to him. You will never find Jesus in one area of Scripture, one passage of Scripture will turn and say, I cannot heal you because of sin. I cannot heal you because I'm trying to teach you something. I cannot heal you because this is your thorn. I cannot heal you because I'm trying to discipline you. You don't find it. The one man that obviously had sin in his life, Jesus said, hey, don't go sin again unless something worse comes upon you. But he healed them. 
the gifts of healing to the church, the ordinance of calling the elders and anointing with oil and praying for the sick, the, the continued example through the life of the apostles and the furtherance of the church, the many examples, even as our brother mentioned it today, of healing ministries and people being healed today. I would encourage you today, do not get hung up on passages of Scripture like this one from 2 Corinthians as a reason not to be healed. I would simply look at the overwhelming, un, uh, unquestionable evidence of Scripture that God wants you well. Jesus paid it all. We're going to go into a time of communion shortly in moment, but let me just say, finish off with this. The best thing for you to do if you're needing something, a touch in your body, is to get into the Word of God and let His Word speak to you about what His Word says, that area of healing. That's why I sent out that whole list of verses regarding many of the healing scriptures of, of the Bible, so that as you read them, and I encourage you to read them out loud, so that your, he, your ears hear what your, your mouth is saying. And so that faith can be built up in your life for, for, the, for the fulfillment of what God has done for you to, to, to take place in your life. Trust that encourages you this morning, gives you an understanding of what 2 Corinthians chapter 12 means. Because as I said, for many years, it was a struggle for me. Because I said, well, if this is of God's thorn, how can I pray God to remove it? He's doing it. How can I pray? How can I ask him in faith? Because this is his doing. Glad I don't pray that.